we've been we started a new series this last Sunday, and uh, I, if you guys don't mind, I'd, I'd like to preach the first message this last Sunday I spoke, and um, this the series is really what it's focused on is the questions that Jesus has for us. Because as human beings, right, it seems like we have a long list of questions for God. Uh, I mean, God, how long is this going to last, right? It's COVID. How long, God, is, you know, my issues and my problems and how long my spouse and and when will this and why this? And I mean, we got questions and God, what about that? And what about this? And when will I get my breakthrough? And and uh, and God has a question for us today, um, and really that question is, do you want to be healed? Right? God is the tables are turned, and God is 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 asking us some questions. Um, and so today's text is found in John chapter five. Um, brother, uh, brother in the back, uh, forgot your name. Uh, running our slides today. Thank you so much for for getting those ready for us. But John chapter five, verse verse two. I'll start with verse two. Um, now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate called a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, uh, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. As there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who who healed him. And so just to give you guys a quick context of what's happening here, in Jerusalem, which is the capital city, right, of Israel, um, the Washington, D.C., D.C., has this mineral pool, has this pool, and um, history actually says that this pool uh, was actually accepted and, and really uh, just acknowledged even by the by the Gentiles and, and and the secular people, right? They they saw this. There was something special happening at this pool. Um, some even some even associated it as as some sort of a shrine, right? Some some uh, religious something religious was happening. Something strange was happening here. And what we know is is that this pool had multitudes of people. I mean. A, a lot of people, a lot of people were there. And who were these people? What were they doing there? Was this, was this their retirement plan? Was this their, uh, vacation time? Was this their just taking a break, leisure time? Were they tanning there at the pool, right? What were they doing? Just lounging around? No. These people were all brought for one common purpose and one common reason, and that was they needed a breakthrough. 
right? They needed a breakthrough. And not just a breakthrough. Uh, the Bible says that one man that was there, just to give us an idea of the demographic of the people that were there, one guy that was there, he was, he was a paralytic for 38 years. 38 years. I mean, that, that's a long time. That's a long, that's, that's a lingering problem, right? That's not a season. That's a lifetime of issues, burdens, and, and despair. I mean, that's, that's hard. That's really, really hard. That's, that's, that's equivalent to being born in sin, right? Being born with, with all these, uh, deficiencies. And, and really, these people were searching out for, a breakthrough. And what was happening here at this pool, the reason why they were flocked around this pool and, and not the hospital and not, you know, the temple that's perhaps across the street, the Jerusalem temple, why were they here? There was something strange happening. And verse 7 says that there was, when the water would be disturbed, right? When there would be a stirring in the water. The ESV doesn't give us verse 4, but the King James Version gives us a verse 4. And that verse 4 says that at a certain season, an angel of the Lord would come and disturb the water, right? Disturb the water. And and actually, uh, scholars, when they looked at the original scrolls, the original a text, they, they didn't see an explanation for verse seven. They didn't see, there wasn't, there wasn't an explanation that an angel of the Lord would come down. This was just, this was the, this was the popular belief of the people. Something was happening, something. And so, uh, commentators, they try to explain it. Oh, we think it was the Lord that was, uh, the angel of the Lord was coming and stirring. And the, the idea is, is that the water was stirring and it was giving results, right? There was results that were happening. But check this out. There was a certain way that you had to go about when the water would be stirred. The first person in got the healing, right? It's it's only good for one time. It's only good for one person at a specific moment. And so what do you get? You have the survival of the fittest. Right? You have the survival of the fittest. Does this not sound like the American dream? Does this not sound like the, uh, like America, right? We have millions and millions of people that have problems and issues and some get a breakthrough and some don't. Right? We have people that have cancer. Some go into remission. Some don't. Christians and, and both secular people somehow get a breakthrough and some don't. Millions die and hundreds are spared. And so it, we have this tension that's happening here at the pool of Bethesda. And what's interesting is there's this Jesus. There's this Jesus that is ministering out in the fields, ministering from village to village, healing people. I mean, Jesus by now is becoming a legend. People know about Jesus, and yet they're not searching for him, but they're waiting for their opportune time for healing at this pool of Bethesda, this shrine. Isn't that strange? Jesus is the answer, right? Lives are being transformed. He's accepting everyone, including the Samaritans, and yet people still settle for the old way. The old way. What Spurgeon said was this, and not just that, but think about this. Jesus is entering into this, to their space, 
and they're not even, they're not excited about Christ, right? Spurgeon says it like this, a blindness has overcome these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ who could heal them, but not a single one of them sought him. Their eyes were fixed on the water, expecting it to be troubled. They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected, right? People are so convinced that the American dream is the answer, that they're neglecting the true answer that is Christ Jesus. Amen. Do we have anybody like that here today that just still hanging on by a thread that one day you'll get that breakthrough? One day if you get that right job, one day if you have that right spouse, one day if you move into that right house, you will finally be healed. You'll finally be whole and satisfied. My friends, that is the lie from straight from the pit. It's a lie. Don't neglect the truth that is found in Christ. What we have here, Jesus comes and as everyone is searching right for this answer outside of Christ, Jesus is merciful and he approaches one individual that's been there for 38 years. That individual did not come to Christ, but Christ came to him. Does that not sound familiar? Who stumbled into into Christ, who stumbled into the faith, right? Christ, that's called grace. God led us, God found us, God initiated our salvation. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. God knows. God knows how long he's been suffering, how long he's been broken. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? The word healed is sozo. The Greek word as follows, to save, deliver, make whole or restore, heal, be whole. Sozo then is the full package of salvation, healing, deliverance that is that that Jesus came to give to his people. So so not just do you want to be physically healed, but do you want the full package of salvation, right? Your body and your soul to be healed. To be healed in all dimensions of your life. That's the question that Jesus is asking. Have you ever read this text and wondered, Jesus, is this a rhetorical question that you're asking? Right? Does, does, is, is, are you mocking the guy? I mean, he's been there for 38 years, right? I mean, why would you even ask him like that? I mean, don't even, don't even ask him. That's offensive, right? You would think it's a rhetorical, but it's actually not a rhetorical question. Jesus is actually interested if you truly want to be healed, right? Some, some of us have come here today, right? And, and I look at you and I'm thinking, man, hey, you, you have a passion for God because you're here on a Wednesday night, right? And you're like, no, man, I literally, my, my wife forced me to come here. Right? I'm here so I don't get fine, right? If you're a youth, if you're, if you're the youth, look, I'm here because, I mean, I got nowhere else to be. Right? It's COVID. We've, we've been locked up for, for a year. Like, I'm not here because I'm loving Jesus with all, right? I'm, I'm guessing that's not you guys, but in 12 years of ministry, I made the great mistake of assuming people's motive for coming to the altar, coming to the church, right? Some, some folks come up to the altar and, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking, man, this guy really loves the Lord. Really? This gal really wants to be sold out for the Lord. And, and little did I know that, no, they, they, they weren't sorry about their sin. They were, they were just sorry about the pain that their sin is causing them. 
right? They're just, they're, they're upset that they feel guilt. There's, there's shame. There's this, there's this heavy burden because they chose the wrong yoke for their life. And so they're just trying to get rid of this burden, but not necessarily be healed. Right. And so Jesus is looking at this guy He says, look, I, I know that you're sick for 38 years. I know that I know that you, you, you would rather be walking and I know that you'd rather be connected to society because he was rejected because of his illness from society. But the question was, do you really want to be made whole, not just partially whole, made whole? Someone, a commentator said, an Eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease, right? Some people that, some people that are so used to a lifestyle of bitterness, a lifestyle of gossip, a a lifestyle of envy, right? They don't, the moment, the moment God frees them, right? The moment God gives them liberty over, uh, from that envy and that bitterness, what happens? They find themselves naked, they find themselves not knowing what to do with themselves. Look, who can I talk to? Who can I talk about today, right? And then it, it kind of feels awkward. And so they, there's this gravitational pull to get back into the place that you're used to being for 38 years. And that's gossiping and lying and cheating and cutting corners, right? And seeking first the world before Christ. And because it's so familiar, it's miserable, but it's so comfortable, right? We're so, you, we got a handle on it. We got a handle on it. And so the question is not rhetorical. It's, it's a legitimate question. And I, I would, I, I'm going to treat you guys just like I would treat my church and my question for you today. And I hope it echoes throughout this whole sermon is, do you truly want to be healed? Right? Do you really want to be saved? Do you really want to know God? Do you really want eternal life? Are you sure you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you sure? What's his response? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps before me. Does he answer the question? He doesn't answer the question. And many of us do not answer the question. Many of us, we avoid the question and we basically begin to give excuses. We give excuses. And out of his excuses, one is legitimate. And what is it? There's no man that can save me. There's no one that can save you. That's the first thing that we need to know. No one can save you. Pastor Matt cannot heal you. The worship team cannot heal you. Listen, the only man that can save you is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can make you hold. Only Christ. No one else, right? He understands that. Right. I don't know if he understands it, but he at least admits it, admits that. Right. The second excuse that he makes is, look, it's their fault. It's the look. If I have nobody that can actually bring me in and throughout the ministry, man, I talk to guys, I talk to gals and it's like, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, it's his fault or their fault. Man, they're just not giving me attention. They're not discipling me and they're not speaking into my life and they're not calling me up and they're not following up with me and, and they're not inviting me to prayer and they're not, they're not allowing me to lead a small group. They're not trusting in me. And it's everyone's fault but oneself. And what's your excuse for not being healed today? What's your excuse for not being a true disciple? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Right? And then the, the last thing that he does is, look, he says, look, 
when, when the water's being stirred up, right? When the water's being stirred up, I just, I, I always missed, I always miss my chance. Somebody else gets in front of me. And what's he doing? He's basically saying, look, I know how I can be healed. I know it's, it's when this happens or that happens, but, but it's not happening in my life, right? It's just, he's made up his mind. He's made up his mind what his salvation will look like, right? He's made up his mind what, what that moment will look like. Many of us here today, we're waiting for that right moment. What is it? What is that moment, right? We ha- we've made up our mind what that salvation is going to look like. And some of us say, look, when the right season will come, I'll become a disciple. Look, we're just, we're parenting right now. We're new parents. We're, we're newlyweds. We, we're trying to get up on our feet. We're trying to buy a house. We're trying to save up some money for a 401k. And man, once we retire, once we raise our children, once we get them out of the house, right? Then we will become disciples of Christ. Then we will be fully sold in, right? Reading our word of God praying, right? When we'll make, when we'll have more opportune time, when work will slow down, right? When COVID will hit, when COVID passes away, right? Some of us are saying, look, when, when, when I show up to a revival service, right? And man, the Holy Spirit is just going to come and fill me in like in a blinking of an eye, man, I'm just going to be healed, restored, 100% following the Lord, man. No, no hesitation, all in hundred percent in. Right? We're still waiting. We're still waiting, right? We've made up our mind. And I love what Calvin says. He says this. The sick man does, does what we nearly all do. He limits God's help to his own ideas and, and does not dare, uh, dare promise himself more than that he conceives in his mind. He's made up his own mind what that salvation is going to look like. And he doesn't allow God. What if God says... Do you want to be healed today, right now, on a Wednesday service? Right? March 17th, 2021, right now, this is the moment. God completely, completely makes you whole. Whatever issue you have, whatever hesitation you have, God just completely just propels you, launches you into, into the discipleship lifestyle. Are you guys willing for that moment to happen today? Right? Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. So that can happen to you this, this, this evening, right? God's can, hey, be made well, right? Problems will go away. Whatever you're dealing with, you want that breakthrough, it's happening. Tomorrow you're going you're gonna to get it, right? can happen. I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm just saying, look... Common grace, right? God will give it to you. Is that what you really want? Is that what? All right, I'll give it to you. And so God gives it to him, right? Praise God. God, he makes our external problems go away. God knows we, we, we have problems, right? And God makes them go away because he's a compassionate God. He is truly a compassionate God. But the story doesn't end there, right? So problem, like we just had our moment with God on a Wednesday night. It's amazing. Had a moment with God on a Sunday. Man, we had a breakthrough. Man, first time ever showed up to the altar. Just, I know it wasn't me. I know it was the, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the compelling of the Holy Spirit, man. And I was there. I had such a great moment with God. It was amazing. I can't explain it. It was awesome. Just, God is good, right? And check this out, right? 
what happens next. The story doesn't end there. There's a Monday morning cultural tension that happens right after Wednesday service, right after Sunday service. There always is a Monday morning cultural tension. And check out this tension. It says, now that day was the Sabbath. So basically say, now it's Monday. He, he got healed on Monday. Jesus invited him to the fold on Monday. Jesus invited him to be a disciple on Monday, right? And what happens? So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. What are you doing? Breaking cultural norms. What are you doing? Do you guys understand what's happening? Jesus sets them up for cultural tension. Jesus will set us up. Look, the gospel sets us up for cultural tension. Jesus tells them, take up your mat and walk. Go. On the Sabbath. Jesus, are you cruel? What are you doing? Why are you setting him up? Do you know what that means for him? If you're caught carrying sticks on the Sabbath, you will get stoned. You will get stoned. And here's really what's happening. In the Judaic, Judaic cultural, culture, right? If you unintentionally get caught working on the Sabbath, what happens? If it's unintentional, they will ban you. You will get excommunicated. I mean, there will be a hearing done and you will get excommunicated, right? If it's intentional, you will get stoned. And so what's happening here is these guys are questioned. Did you, hey, why are you, why are you, why are you carrying it, right? Why? And so instead of, instead of focusing on his testimony, instead of focusing on what Christ has done for him, right? What does he do? He says, look, that's, it was, look, no, leave me alone. No, no, no. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Jesus set me up. He's the, someone told me to carry my mat. It's not me. It's him. Right? He's trying to preserve his standing in the, in the community. He's trying to, he's trying to save face in culture. He's trying to do that. Right? Why? Because for 38 years he was a reject. For 38 years he was broke as a joke and finally he got a breakthrough. Finally he got the gal that he wanted. Finally he got the job that he wanted. Finally he got the promotion. Finally he got the house and he's not willing to lose it. He's not willing to lose that one thing that he's been waiting for. Not Christ. He's willing to lose Christ. But he's not willing to lose his blessing. Right? So many people preach the prosperity gospel not understanding that it is a curse to them. So he's blaming it on Jesus because finally for the first time in 38 years he could enter into the temple. First time in, the, in 38 years he could be accepted in, in culture and he could mean something and be someone, right? Because that's what we all want, right? We want to fit in. I, today I heard a quote, and I'm going to wrap up here, but today I heard a quote that belonging means uh, people that belong are, are just people who are being themselves, right? But to fit in, you have to be someone you're not. And he's trying to fit in. He's trying to be someone he's not, right? God has healed him and he's trying to save face with him. How does this man respond, right? So I told you guys, he basically said, look, this guy. And uh, they say, who is this guy? He doesn't even know his name. He doesn't know Jesus' name. He doesn't know his Savior's name. How many of us are here today, we don't even know his name? We don't know him. 
We just know that he made our problems go away. We know that we, we know the feelings that he gives us, right? On Sunday services and all those emotions that we experience, but we don't know him. We just don't know him, right? And the, uh, the reason why he actually doesn't know him is because the Bible says that Jesus disappeared. The moment he healed him, Jesus withdrew himself because remember, there's a multitude of miracle seekers. There's a multitude of people that are pursuing the American dream, and Jesus is not about that. Jesus is not about external problems. Jesus is all about the internal healing that needs to happen in every soul. Someone said, uh, a commentator said, he is passing on the blame and persecution to Jesus so he can avoid it himself. Hardly the mark of a disciple. Hardly the mark of a disciple. What are you giving up to follow Jesus? What are you giving up to follow Jesus? Look, if you can go back to work on Monday and you can, you can, man, just, just smooth sail from Monday to Friday without any cultural tension, without any drama in the office because of your faith, because of your convictions in the Christ, then my friend, I would question your healing. Right? What happens next is Jesus, it says, verse 14, after, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is, heals him and then goes and seeks after him. Not vice versa. Not this guy is like, look, I need to know who this Jesus is, man. He changed my life. I'm walking. I'm walking after 38 years. No, Jesus is after him. Jesus, why is Jesus looking for him? Because Jesus is not in the business of just dealing with your external problems. He wants to give you the full package, which is the sozo healing, the soul healing, the true salvation. God's not done with him and God's not done with us. He's not done with us. God is going to seek us down. Until we get the full healing. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? Amen. And what does Jesus say to him? Look, look, you, you, look, you, you got your answer, right? You, I, I cured you from cancer. I, 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 I mended your marriage and, and, uh, I, I, look, 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 I, I'm bringing things together in your life. I'm taking care of your earthly needs. I'm doing that because I'm a good father. I'm a, I, that's, that's what God does, right? God cares about us. He, Gives us common grace and, but man, what about, when are you going to stop sinning? When are you going to stop missing the mark? When are you going to come back to the fold of Christ? When are you going to leave the tree of knowledge of good and evil and come back to the tree of life where you can have rest for your soul? When is that going to happen? And God says, look, if you don't, something worse will happen to you. What is worse than 38 years of being a paralytic? What is worse? What is worse than being paralyzed for 38 years? My friends, eternal damnation. Eternal damnation, and that is the warning for us tonight. If we don't come back to the fold of Christ, if we don't call on the name, if we don't answer the question that Jesus is asking us today, do you want to be healed? Look, eternal damnation is out for us. And many people say, look, what? Man, Jesus. That's not like Christ. Who added that? The gospel is good news. Why is he threatening us? Right? Why is he threatening us? This is, this is uncalled for, Jesus. You're loving, right? I mean, that's, that's what 
Today's gospels portraying Jesus as this loving Jesus. There's no bad news. There's no hardship. There's no tension, right? No. Jesus is giving a direct threat. If you don't repent, if you don't stop, you will be eternally damned. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen, my friends. And, and I, I, I'd, I'd encourage you guys to, to really consider that when, when you speak to your friends and, and, uh, I, I think it's a loving warning, right? It's, it, obviously you gotta watch out how you say it, you know, you, you know, Pastor Matt can train you guys in that, but it, I, there's a saying that I love to teach our, our, our folks is if you're wrong in the way that you're right, you're wrong anyways, right? So the tone needs to be correct. Yeah, if you're wrong in the way that you're right, you're wrong anyways. So the tone needs to be, the tone needs to be loving, race and truth. And so Jesus is, is saying, look, I, I gave you your miracle, you know, just stop sinning. My, my aim was not to heal your body, but to heal your soul. That's, that's what I was after, right? And, um, how does he respond to Jesus? How does, what, what happens there? I'm going to close with this. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. (laughs) Right? Because the Jews demanded an answer. Hey, if you don't tell us who this guy's name is, you're done. Because you still broke. You're a lawbreaker. So the guy's still fighting for for his own skin. And what does he do? Instead of of following Christ, instead of giving his life to him, he still feels like he owes culture something. You don't owe culture anything. You don't owe them an answer. You don't have to tell them why. You just follow Christ. You follow Christ. If that means they reject you, so be it. But man, you follow Christ. You don't betray Christ. And the Bible says that from, and that verse 16, and that is the, and that is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things. And Jews got even more furious when he came and ratted Jesus out. They got more furious. Man, this guy is causing people to be countercultural. We're losing our grip on society. We're losing our grip on our city. We're losing our grip on our street because of Jesus. Friends, what, what's your response tomorrow? Tomorrow's Thursday, right? What's your response to culture? Are you still going to defend yourself or are you going to be like that man in John chapter 9 that was born blind and Jesus healed him? And, and then the Pharisees began to question him, right? They began to question his parents and parents want nothing to do with it because they don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue, right? And how does the man respond? The man begins to stand up for Christ. He says, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. I was dead and now I'm alive. Look, my life was a wreck. I used to be bitter. I used to be afraid. I used to have depression. But man, once Jesus touched me, when he came into my life, when he got a grip on me, he completely changed that. And you know what the Bible says? That they kicked that man out of the synagogue. He was cast away. And the Bible says when Jesus found out that he was cast away he went and found him and he asked him he invited him to be a true disciple my friends look if you are cast away by culture by society jesus christ will find you in a heartbeat he'll find you in a heartbeat and he'll invite you to come and follow him to be a true disciple of christ to have access to the abundant life that is only for those that are true disciples of jesus 
Some of us feel duped. Hey, we gave our lives to the Lord, but where is this abundant life that Jesus was talking about? It's only accessible for true disciples. True disciples. Amen? Oh, man, we're on the same page, Pastor Matt. I love it. Come on, God is good. I'm going to close with this John Piper. I know I said like three times already, but John Piper, he said it like this. Jesus left hundreds unhealed at the pool of Bethesda. And he told the one man he did heal who had not even been believed on him to wake up. I am pursuing your holiness. The main issue in this age till Jesus comes back is that we meet Meet him, meet him in our brokenness and receive the power of his forgiveness to pursue holiness. Listen to this. In this calling to faith and holiness, the disabled often run faster and further than many of us who have our legs and arms. Isn't that crazy? The disabled often run faster than those with arms and legs. Why? Because they have been healed spiritually. They have been healed spiritually. And I, I witnessed this at a conference that I was just part of last weekend. It was, it's called the Church Awakening Conference by Pastor Alec Rowland, uh, Westgate Chapel. And, um, there was this gal during worship. There was this gal at the, at the altar. She was just, I mean, she was a little extra. She was just like all over the place. Just, I mean, too much for my comfort, right? Cause I'm just used to like standing in one spot and she was just being herself and worshiping God and expressing God with, I mean, every part of her being was worshiping God, right? And I'm standing there and I have the audacity to judge her without the context. I'm just, I'm like, man, lady, you're, you're kind of stealing all the attention here. You're a little being, you're distractive, you know, a little bit like, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. Just have these conflicting feelings and, and a few minutes later, Pastor Alec Rowland gets up and he starts talking about worshiping God through suffering. And he says, look, uh, this, this, I forgot her name. He says, this gal here, she's been diagnosed with uh, a death sentence. She has an uncurable cancer. They've given her barely any time to live. And she refuses to worship, refuses to cease worshiping God refuses to allow circumstances, right, external circumstances to get in, in the way of her and Christ, her and God, her and her, her Savior. She knows God. She knows God. My friends, look, most of us will die, right? How are we going to die? Of natural causes, right? Natural causes. And many of us won't be healed physically. Many of us won't get that financial breakthrough that we've been longing for, right? Many of us are going to die with issues and problems, unresolved issues, right? We're, it's just going to happen. Look, but what one thing that cannot happen is dying without being saved. It's the one thing that cannot happen. And I, and I, and I plead with you guys today. I plead with you guys today. Look, Jesus says, this is eternal life that they know you. Look, heaven is to know God. If you don't enjoy God now, you won't enjoy him there. If you don't know him now, you won't know him there. And so I just plead with you guys. Look, he's asking you, do you want to know me today? That's what true healing is, right? That's what healing is. It's relational reconciliation. It's recon it's Jesus reconciling us to the Father. Do you want to be healed? Do you truly want 
to know God. Look, I love Jesus. And, and uh, it, it's, 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 it's taken me faith. It's taken me obedience. It's taken me discipline to get to where I'm at. But I'll tell you what, I do not want to leave this place. I will forfeit everything else in my life, but I will not forfeit my relationship with Christ. And I plead with you guys, would you please call on his name tonight? Would you answer the question that Jesus is asking you guys? Amen. If you guys want to stand on your feet, we're going to pray. Romans 10, 11 says, Anyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for this moment. God, this moment that you provided for us. God, you created this platform, this space for us to come and to hear your word. God, your living word can be trusted. Lord, and today we trust your word. We trust your question, God. Do you want to be healed, God? And I say yes, Lord. I want to be healed. God, I want to be healed. Lord, we want to be healed. God, we want to know you. We want to live, God, in your in your presence, Lord. We want to live according to your word. We want to live, God, in obedience to you, Lord. We want that, Father. Lord, I pray that over every person here today. God, I pray that, that they would respond. Lord, I pray that you would give them grace to respond because the Bible says that your kindness leads us to repentance. Lord, would you lead them to repentance, Father? There's someone here today that has not given their life to you, God. Would you prompt them, Father? Would you speak to their hearts, God? Would you permeate their heart? Pray in Jesus' name.